Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. Surgical robotics are in the news again, and we have some more stories to bring you about that today. But Sean, welcome back. What are we going to talk about today? Well, today we'll talk about an FDA clearance for Zeta Surgical, Sentinel Spines Divestiture, Quantum Surgical winning CE Mark for a surgical robot, Philips launching new ultrasound technology, and what the analysts out there think about the impact of GLP-1 drugs on insulin management technology. So let's jump right into it. What's the first thing that we should know for today? First thing is that the FDA cleared a mixed reality cranial surgical navigation system from Zeta Surgical, major milestone for the company, which also develops surgical robotic technology. So what is this navigation system? So it's a mixed reality platform, provides surgeons with GPS-like guidance, millimetric accuracy in real time. The company designed it with a computer vision engine to ensure maintained accuracy, and it automatically registers multiple times per second to account for patient movement. How does it assist surgeons? Well, in addition to that enhanced guidance and accuracy, it can be deployed both inside and outside the operating room to eliminate the need for general anesthesia and rigid skull immobilization. So it seems like it sort of takes some of the time-consuming and difficult steps out of the process. What are executives saying? Dr. William Gormley, the Zeta Surgical Chief Medical Officer, said the clearance ushers in the next generation of innovation to neurosurgery. He says Zeta will change the way we conceive of where we can perform neurosurgery within our hospitals and where in the world these hospitals can be. Let's talk about Centennial Spine's divestiture next. Yeah, the company divested its spine fusion business. It's another example of a company narrowing its focus, as we've talked about many times on this show, by selling off a chunk of its business. And in this case, they sold it to Swiss company Saloni Medical. What does the sale mean for the company? Well, it enables Sentinel to focus exclusively on its ProDisc total disc replacement platform. The company wants to become the global market leader in cervical and lumbar total disc replacement. Now it's 2022 ProDisc revenue neared $45 million, so that took the company to second spot in the global market, according to the company's press release. So theoretically, it's it's there. It's an opportunity, and it feels that by selling off some of its other business, it can narrow its focus and really attack that market. When will that deal close? The companies expect the transaction to close within 45 days of the announcement last week. They didn't disclose any terms of the divestiture of the portfolio and related assets, so perhaps when it closes, we'll maybe know the monetary value of it. What are executives saying about this? Well, Sentinel Spine CEO Steve Murray said the divestiture allows the company to focus exclusively on total disc replacement and expand its leadership in the rapidly growing market. Constantine Schoen, the CEO of Saloni Medical, which bought the portfolio, called it a welcome and strategic addition. So both both sides seem to be happy with the deal, of course. Let's talk surgical robotics. Yeah, Quantum Surgical won CE Mark to treat lung tumors with its surgical robot. It's an expanded approval, expands upon earlier earned CE Mark. That's another step forward for what's an up-and-comer in surgical robotics, for sure. And we've talked about surgical robotics a lot over the last few weeks, it feels like, but it just shows that this is a growing space in med tech. What does this surgical robot do? So Epion, the company's flagship product, offers curative treatment for cancers. It was designed to plan, target, and deliver and confirm tumor ablation in a minimally invasive procedure using a robotic arm, a navigation system, and a camera. 
It enables physicians to treat inoperable, particularly difficult to reach tumors at an early stage in a simple and effective way. And it, its uses include the treatment of abdominal tumors, including in the liver, kidney, and pancreas. How many patients has the surgical robot treated so far? Having received FDA clearance in March of last year, the robot has treated more than 200 patients in France and the U.S. to date. And obviously, moving into the lung tumor field you know, gives it an opportunity to treat even more. What does this expanded approval follow? Well, it comes on the back of a clinical study conducted at Gustave Roussy. Now, Professor Thierry Debar, the inventional radiologist there, coordinated the study and said that the robot demonstrated the ability to consistently enable technical success while remaining safe. Now, the company's president and co-founder, Burton Nahum, said that with the robot, the goal is to provide patients with an effective, better targeted, and minimally invasive treatment. With over 2 million new cases of lung cancer diagnosed each year worldwide, they're delighted that the technology can now be accessible to new patients in Europe. What's the next thing that we should know? Philips launched new ultrasound technology to boost its cancer diagnostics. So according to the company, this is a, an improvement on previous models. What is that ultrasound technology? It's called Super Resolution Contrast Enhanced Ultrasound, or CEUS. It's an application incorporated into the company's Epic Elite ultrasound system. It enables three times better spatial resolution than previous models and could potentially improve diagnostic accuracy for assessing lesion blood flow in cancer patients. So why is technology like this important? Well, blood flow in and around a liver tumor can provide clues regarding the potential for the cancer to spread. And traditionally, clinicians use an iodinated contrast medium for these assessments. Some patients are intolerant to those contrasts, though, and in this case, CEUS provides an alternative for those patients. What are people saying about this technology? Dirk Andre Clavert, a professor of radiology in Germany, said that the microvascular imaging allows them to visualize the pattern of contrast media flow into a lesion and also shows how it changes over time to give them greater diagnostic confidence in assessing indeterminate lesions. And now for our last story, something that you wrote, and it was uh, it was very interesting to hear what the pharmaceutical industry, what impact it will have on the device industry. So what's the last thing that we should know? Definitely. And this is only scratching the surface because this is sort of the direct competition, but there's a lot of implications for med tech. The analysts are saying that the GLP-1 drugs that have sort of come to prominence should have a minor impact on the insulin pump market and actually may boost CGMs. So there's been a lot of buzz around those drugs for many reasons, but in our circle, there's definitely been some concern about what they mean for the device market. So it's good that analysts have allayed some of those fears. Tell us a little bit about those GLP-1 drugs and what they do. Yeah, you've heard, you know, the brand names, Ozempic, Wigovi. This drug class has sort of cast a shadow of doubt, especially over diabetes technology. Glucagon-like peptide that has proven to lead to improved blood sugar control and weight loss. And in addition to popular therapeutics, some companies are developing long-term implants that elute these drugs too. So there's you know, potential for more device application down the line. And positive clinical results from these drugs recently led to some negative market movement for some of the biggest names in diabetes technology. And analysts even trimmed some of the forecasts on sales to reflect increased pressure thanks to these updates. So yeah, it's been a bit of an uneasy time, I'd say, in the diabetes space, at least you know from the investor's perspective but it seems like analysts and the companies themselves aren't particularly concerned at the moment. 
So you briefly mentioned this, but do these kinds of drugs indicate a boom for CGMs? So the source of this reporting came from a report from BTIG analysts Marie Thibault and Sam Iber. They hosted a call with Dr. Osama Hamdi of the Obesity Clinical Program at the Jocelyn Diabetes Center to discuss the impact of these drugs. Hamdi now particularly sees GLP-1s as a positive for glucose monitors, which matches the outlooks from the likes of Dexcom, which is obviously one of the major CGM players. The analysts also think that GLP-1s could offer a tailwind for the glucose monitoring technology. According to the analyst, Hamdi's take on the impact of GLP-1s on CGM adoption was strongly positive, described it as the brightest future imaginable, and expects CGMs to be the standard of care in three to four years as a tool for tracking glucose variability, time and range, and a way to encourage behavioral change. So what do analysts think about the impact of insulin delivery and what this class of drugs might have on insulin delivery? Yeah, well, it's definitely a little less optimistic, I'd say, than CGMs, but still not too worried. Basically, Hamdi expects that a portion of his patients taking insulin may decline by as much as 20 to 25% in the next five years because of the adoption of these drugs. But the analysts didn't ring alarm bells, and they said they point out that the decline is likely more moderate than concerns and stock reactions imply. Given the low single-digit penetration of pumps in the type 2 diabetes-intensive insulin therapy population, the potential impact of the insulin pump total addressable market looks relatively minor. So despite Exuding positivity around GLP-1s, Hamdi actually sees no impact on type 1 diabetes insulin requirements and sees a lot of remaining barriers to entry for the drug, including side effects and other things. So yeah, definitely not the time to worry yet, but it, it, it's worth you know considering what these drugs might be able to, I guess, take from the device industry. Very interesting, but that marks the fifth story. So thank you, Sean, for coming on, giving us all this news and these insights. My pleasure. As always, read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. How about you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us next week for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Thank you.